Ladies and gentlemen, this is Across the Cavs, a Game 6 NBA Finals preview. The Bucks could do it and fulfill Brandon Jennings' nearly decade-long prophecy. Noah Nightingale again joins. We're not only talking finals, we are giving a couple of thoughts on Space Jam, a new legacy. Breaking it all down. Join us. Listen. Have fun. Let's go Cavs, even though they are obviously not playing. The NBA Finals are no joke. This is where we separate the real from the fake. So, get some skin in the game with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. They're offering free-to-play pools every day of the NBA Finals, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 each day a game is played. And guess what? The best part is that it's free-to-play. It's easy to enter DraftKings free-to-play pools. Just download the DraftKings app. Go to Pools. And choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, ahead of Game 3 of the NBA Finals, download the top rate of DraftKings app and use promo code TBPM when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day there is a game. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome. It's 9.53. It's Monday, July 19th. It is across the Cavs. Happy not-so-anniversary. Eight years ago today, the Cleveland Cavaliers announced that they would be signing Andrew Bynum to a one-year contract. Andrew Bynum blew out his knee, and then he went bowling with his blown-out knee while in Philly. He got two different hairstyles in one and never played for the Sixers after being a hot commodity, after being traded from the Lakers, after having a falling out. Why do you have a falling out? He shot a three. Seven-footers did not shoot threes. That's why Andrea Bargnani did not last in the NBA when he came in. Anyway, Andrew Bynum started jacking up threes in practice. Andrew Bynum is... Who the heck knows? He's only 32 years old. Fun fact, Andrew Bynum shares a birthday with Lou Williams. He is actually younger than Lou Williams. Yeah, just a fun fact. With how long Lou's been around, he is younger than Lou Will. They did come in, I believe, in the same draft for what that's worth. Anyway, that's the anniversary, and that is that. The Cavs also re-signed our boy Channing Fry a couple years ago today, but... We're here to talk about the finals. And before we talk about the finals, we're talking about a new movie. Space Jam, A New Legacy. Watched it last night. My friends and I had very differing opinions. Going to bring on today's guest. We're going to do a quick breakdown. No spoilers. None. But a quick little recap. No Nightingale. As always, six straight swords. We're breaking records out here. Absolutely. Okay, hold on. You really caught me off guard when you said that Andrew Bottom is 32 years old. I, I'm like absolutely stunned right now. <laughs> I can't believe Andrew Bynum is 32 years old, but it's great to be here. It's absolutely phenomenal yes. to be here once again, six straight, maybe going for seven. Who knows? We'll see what yes. happens. We'll oh, see we're what going happens, seven but... regardless of what happens with the game, and we'll have more That's on that true. later. Maybe okay, we'll so go eight. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? We'll see. Okay, but I was yeah, wrong, no, though. He, okay, so he's actually 33, but Lou Williams is 34. But still, even so. That's He's going to be turning 34. I mean, that, he, that's just crazy that he's that he's so far gone. 
I, mean, I can't believe that. I can't. I remember when he got injured as a young guy in the 08 finals and he wasn't even playing that finals. And I was so big for Boston. Oh man. I, I, I can't, I, I would have told you he's like 37, 38, just given how his career went down, unfortunately, but wow. Mind blown. Mind blown. Yeah. I think it was two summers ago. He was working out to try and come back in the league. Same time as Monte Ellis. Sadly, neither guy made it more sad for Monte, but anyway, we're not going to get too sidetracked because there's a new legacy to discuss. And right off the bat, Noah, I'm just going to give my rating and some quick thoughts of Space Jam 2. I, uh, here, here are the ratings from my friends. A 4, a 7, a 7.25, and then Zach Weiss coming in hot at an 8.2. Here's what I liked about it. It's 2021. When we're watching movies that have animation of sorts that are kind of mixed into reality, we're expecting a lot. And I just think that they, and this isn't a spoiler, as you know, and most people know, like the Warner Brothers server, who is played by Don Cheadle as a big character. And so, you know, Warner Brothers is going to be a big part. So a lot of things that Warner Brothers has done over the years, shows and movies are featured throughout. And again, that's not a spoiler. I think it's something to look forward to. And I just love that. I loved all the different characters I was not expecting to show up to be there. And I just think that they took, they, we were expecting this normal, just Space Jam sequel. And then it was just so out of this world. And yes, there were plenty of plot holes. Again, not a spoiler. Every movie has plot holes, especially when it's made for kids. It's not about that. It's just about making it fun, making it funny, and showing LeBron as a likable dude. And I think that they did those things. And I think that it was just enjoyable, generally speaking, as I use the same words six times over. I had fun, and I believe that this is the first time I've seen a quote-unquote new movie, not counting Soul and Mulan, which were both great at the end of 2020, uh, since I saw Parasite in theaters. I was going to go to theaters. I decided to watch, host a little viewing party on HBO Max. No regrets. I'm really happy I did, and uh, let's hear from you, Noah. So I'll give you my rating first. My rating... Uh, sort of closer to yours, and I know you. I think you said one of your friends had a seven point two five. I'll go like a seven point three. Okay. And my explanation is very simple, without giving away any spoilers. This was made for kids, and I'm in my mid twenties, so obviously I wasn't expecting to absolutely love this movie like I did in the original Space Jam. But given the fact that some of my favorite NBA players today were on the TV or on the screen, watching the max, I enjoyed it. I really did. Just watching some of my favorite people in a movie, in an animated movie, and, and, and acting goofy and crazy. And it was just all, it was, I, I, I don't know. I really liked it. I'm not going to say it was absolutely incredible, but a 7.3 is my, is my rating. Not giving away any spoilers. Yeah, absolutely. And I, by the way, if I had to rate Space Jam 1, which also gets shat on quite a bit, I would give that a 10 just because, A, nostalgia, B, I mean, I literally remember in second grade reading the Space Jam book. I remember being four years old, eating coffee ice cream at my grandparents' house, watching it with my grandpa. I mean, I, I have so many Space Jam memories. And I think we had some kind of PC game. I don't remember ever playing it. I think I still have the casing, but not the disc anymore. I just, it's so nostalgic. And I've been always been a big Looney Tunes guy. You know, on sick days when you're a kid, baby Looney Tunes is where it was at anyway. So... It's just, it's just really cool to see this. And I think that, you know, we're not, not spoiling anything. There's a basketball game played 
and there has to be stakes. And I think the stakes were very interesting. I think it might even be more so than it was for the first. And, you'll, and everyone, you'll see it when you get to it. But on that note, we talk Space Jam. And speaking of going up to space, that is where we could find Giannis with 12 seconds left in game five after he threw down the dunk, Noah, off the pass from Drew Holiday, all in Chris Paul's junk. Wow. What, what a game. What a game. And once again, another game that ended off with a crazy play at the end involving Giannis the great player that he is. But let's start from the beginning. Obviously, when you go back to last podcast, I was so certain that Phoenix would come out at home and absolutely annihilate. And after the first quarter, I sat back, relaxed, and said, yep, I was right. And then <laughs> just you little wait. chaos happened. <laughs> but let's start. The Suns came out. They came out flying. They came out aggressive in the first. They were they truly looked like the desperate team that they were. And that's how I expected them to come out. And they were hitting shots. They were running the floor. They were moving the ball around. They were playing with energy. And you can feel the energy inside the arena. It was building their success. And then one notable thing that I saw was, well, the first quarter, at the start of the second quarter, a 16-point lead for Phoenix and no Giannis. I mean, we all know in this series and throughout the entire playoffs for Milwaukee, if you can beat Milwaukee with Giannis on the floor, you're going to beat Milwaukee because this is not a team that's going to offer a lot of anything with Giannis off the court. So to me, I felt like this game was going to be over in the first few minutes of the second. And four minutes and 12 seconds later, Milwaukee without Giannis went in a 21 to five run. Yep. It was unbelievable. And in that 21 to five run, you saw Milwaukee hit some absolutely ridiculous shots, well defended, but they also played well. They also ran the floor. They played hard. They played physical. You, they definitely upped their intensity. And for Phoenix, I mean, they were just missing open shots, right? Like Jay Crowder had a few missed open shots. Torrey Craig had a wide open shot. And this is a team who shot Phoenix who shot 37% on open looks from three in the regular season. That has gone all the way up to 46% in the playoffs. A team that shoots 46% from three on open looks. And all of a sudden, in this one little run, in the run that, to me, dictate the entire game, just they, they just went cold, went absolutely cold. And Milwaukee got hot, and, that, and, and they got hot for the rest of the game. It, it totally dictated the rest of the game. For, let, me, let me tell you the stat. In the second and third quarter, Milwaukee shot 32 of 45. How do you beat a team? I don't care who is on the other side, but if you have a team that is shooting 32 of 45 in the second and third quarter, you're not beating them. And I don't want to take anything away from Milwaukee because they executed beautifully. And especially being down 16 in game five, we all know how important game five is, and especially in a tied series, Milwaukee came back. They, had, they showed some great composure in that game. But, wow, you are just not going to beat a team when a team shoots 32 of 45 in two quarters. And then quickly, just let me highlight some of the great players. Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday, their big three. All three of them had five-plus assists. All three of them hit at least 12 shots. They shot very efficiently. They defended very, very well, especially Drew Holiday. Big, big time play at the end. It 
truly was an unbelievable game for the big three. And of course, last but not least, a guy that we have highlighted so many times in this podcast, and we'll do it once again, the best role player in this series by a long shot, Pat Connaughton. Unbelievable game, huge threes, four or six from three, a plus 10, six boards. Uh, it truly was an unbelievable game, but just super confusing. Given that ever, how everything has happened leading up to this game, where Milwaukee has been absolutely destroyed when Giannis is off the floor. And then this happened. I mean, this is the first time all playoffs that the Bucs won a game while losing the minutes when Giannis is on the floor. They were a minus seven with Giannis on the floor and a plus 11 when he was off. Like, it hasn't even come close to looking like that throughout the rest of the playoffs for Milwaukee. But, of course, in the biggest game, arguably the biggest game of the series, Milwaukee stepped up, and it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, if uh, there was a thought bubble coming out of my head as I was watching you go, like this is like a comic, I would just be looking, I'd be saying in my head, he's spitting facts, because that is exactly what you're doing. That's exactly what happened. It was a quick start. I was nervous. I was very nervous. And everyone that's listening already knows how in on the bucks I've been since the playoffs started for various reasons. And it also occurred to me, the honest, is my favorite NBA player now that Delhi's gone. So there's that. <laughs> But down 16, they found their rhythm, man, and they got it going. And after seven first-quarter turnovers, they turned it over the rest of the game just five times. In the second half, they had four, none for Giannis. No turnovers in the second half, nine to 15. Every, on every missed free throw of his, they got an offensive rebound twice in the clutch. So it wasn't even costly. They, they defended beautifully. And, you know, book went off, but there was that stretch in the middle of the fourth where it just wasn't quite going his way. But then the Suns turned, actually, no, wait a minute. I, okay, I mixed my games. The Suns had everything going for them <laughs> in the fourth quarter. But there was one thing. When it's a one-point game, I thought, oh, boy, Suns are going to win. That's it. Drew Holiday, who I was very high on, as you remember the last time we were on just a few days ago with you, with Mac yes, and yourself. Sir. I told you this would be the Drew game. And if it came down to it at the end and it had to be on, said, no, it was going to be Drew. Drew was going to be the reason they won or lost. Drew gets the steal. Drew throws the pass. Giannis gets the dunk. In the, in the second half, Drew Holiday, nine points, three steals, a block, and six assists. In the fourth quarter, he shot just one of five. But in the game, 27 and 13 assists, shot 60%. Limited by foul trouble, sat five minutes in the first quarter, played basically the rest of the game. I'd be very curious to see. I doubt it. I would love backup point guard Sam Merrill. Brent Forbes has run his course. Jeff Teague looks like he's also run his course. Any praise I gave him, I apologize. He was terrible. Thank you. I was waiting for that. <laughs> like, what was that? No, I'd love to see Sam Merrill. His ankle's healthy. The dude can shoot lights out. And he got a little burn early in the season after DJ Augustine was traded before they're able to secure another backup. So I would love to see Sam Merrill. I doubt it's going to happen. Kind of like you, you want Jalen Smith. I love to see a rookie in Sam Merrill. Dude can just shoot the ball. We'll see. If not, I mean, they could just go seven man for the whole game as they did in the second half. But Giannis had the dunk and was just exceptional, finding his rhythm when he needed. Chris Middleton again. Pat Connaughton only shot the ball once in the second half, but his minutes were just is so impactful. He has just been so darn good. I'm so happy for Pat Connaughton. And it's funny, I was actually at camp. I was talking with an 11-year-old about this because he's a big Bucks fan. But like his, 
There, there's, there's family ties to the team. Anyway, this kid is 11. He knows exactly what he's talking about as well as you or myself. And we talked about Pat Connaughton and Jake Lehman. They have the exact same career, except Connaughton's a better player. Noah, hear me out here, and then I'll get back to the series. They both played their first three years in Portland. They both rode the bench for two years and broke out in year three before finding a contract somewhere else. Jake Lehman in Minnesota, Pat Connaughton in Milwaukee. They're both more well-known now than in Portland, but they both got those third-year minutes. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, Pat Connaughton spreading his wings. Jake Lehman is just – he's not even getting into the rotation on the worst team in the league, so hopefully that, that turns around. But I, I had to get that in there because that conversation came up, and that, that, that specific kid just really knows his hoops. So I want to show some did, love. We're not did he name. say that? Did he, I brought did he it up. tell you that? I, I brought it up, but it was we had a legitimate like two-minute conversation about it after the fact. I so, love that. I really do, especially I, him being 11 years old. That, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, got, you got family working for the, like, directly for the team, I think, or for the owner and, and another. Anyway, no need to get into that. No need to drop any other specifics. I just wanted to throw that in. The big three was great. On the Sun side, throw all the blame you want at Chris Paul. He had 21 and 11 assists with one turnover. Stop blaming him. Chris Paul's even stopped flopping in the finals. So for that, I've had nothing negative to say about him at all, other than his, his occasional turnovers. He's cleaned it up. No one's been flopping in this series except for one other son who we already know. I respect the hell out of Chris Paul, and I've had more reasons to do so because of that. My only issue is this. It's been a long playoff, so it makes sense. Devin Booker has missed the most shots, missed 278 shots in the playoffs. Also, Chris Middleton has missed – oh, is it, is it 248 or 278? Let me get – yeah, okay. Booker's missed 240. Middleton's missed 247. It's not surprising with how many games they've played. That's just the shocking number that they both missed that many shots. I know they've scored a lot as well. That's just insane to me. Booker's taken 452 shots. Middleton, 439. Anyway – so I wanted to throw that in there. Uh, we have the spread for this game. It is Bucks minus five. We're going to get to that. I'll start over under 222. The team scored 242 last game. It does seem, though, no, when they play in Milwaukee, the Bucks obviously outscore the Suns and defense reigns supreme. So I'm just going to go under 222. I think that with the highest scoring game of the series has already been played in game five. Agreed. Totally agree with you. I think it's going to be the under. It's going to be a grinded out game for sure. I think Phoenix is going to make Milwaukee have some really tough shots. And I know we saw Milwaukee hit tough shots at ease last game, but Phoenix now actually has to play desperate. You know, they're down. If they lose this game, it's over. It's done. So I know they're on the road, but I think they are going to be swarming Milwaukee, especially the big three. And, of course, Pat Kanaan, and they are going to make life very tough. And I think if Milwaukee is going to have a chance to win this game, they're going to have to keep knocking down shots. So I, 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 I think it's going to be a scrappy, low-scoring game. Yeah, and I have a, a jersey number from the 90s as my key number for my prediction. It is the number 91 worn by a Dennis Rodman. Do you know what 9-1 and one is? Nine and one. What is nine and one? What do you mean by that? That is the Bucks record at home in the postseason. Ah, nine and one. I thought you were yeah. giving me a math question. I thought it was like, no, I know what nine plus one means. <laughs> I would yeah, no, I mean nine plus one equals ten, which is how many home wins the Bucks will have by the time we Ooh, hop on again. I, I mean, like this. Thank you. So I'm not gonna ramble. I'm just gonna make this short and sweet, then let you go, and then we're gonna debate our picks this time, which we usually don't do. Okay. The Bucks are nine and one at home. 
It took Trey Young scoring 49 and Mike Budenholzer basically wanting to make sure the Hawks get a conference finals win because he never got one with them a couple years back when he was there so that they can rewrite history like that. No, that's not what happened. Trey Young just went off and good for him. He had a hell of a postseason. The Bucs don't lose at home. They went into the Valley where they literally were playing a dangerous game of hide and seek with Giannis, except they just never left their seats on 10. They just kept counting. And yes, he missed some, but it didn't phase him. That dude is unfazed. His brother, who just celebrated his birthday in isolation, happy belated birthday, Thanasis, yesterday, couldn't even see him. They were missing an assistant. And Giannis still, without the, look, he's a pro. But the energy his brother brings has been a big part of his last couple of years. So not having him there, having to find other, I mean, shout out to Diakita. He kept him hyped, we could tell. But Giannis was just so good. He wants this so much. He literally had to, he celebrated with his brother when Kostas, when the Lakers won, and that's great. But the whole time he was thinking, this is going to be me. He couldn't say that. He couldn't show that. He has to wait till the season starts. Don't do anything too crazy and just let his game do its talking. And it has. He has been so perfect. I don't care what his free throw percentages are. He has been perfect. Offensive rebounds, blocks, dunks on everybody, clutch buckets, and ones, mid-range shot, looking pure. There's nothing he hasn't done. Chris Middleton, for the 247 shots, he's missed. He's made... Uh, he has made a playoff high, 59 threes. He's made another 74 twos. He has barely gotten to the line, and yet look at how he's scoring, okay? Those two guys have been great. Drew Holiday will not score 27 again. He will get 10 assists. He will get four steals. He will play 43 minutes. And again, Mike Budenholzer's problem the previous two playoffs. Minutes. All the stars are playing 43 now. Well, I guess the three that matter, Middleton, Giannis and Holiday. They're going to play their big minutes. So basically, they lose when they're on the court, not because they're out. Those three guys together are tremendous on the defensive end. Chris Middleton might not get strips or blocks, but he stays with everybody. The same way other guys cannot stay with him. This big three is enough. Booker will probably score 40 again. My bold take is that he's going to play the entire game. Because his rest, he only rested 20 seconds in the second half anyway. I think we're going to see Giannis and Middleton play the entire second half after short uh, first quarter rests. And I think that the Bucks are going to win by eight. I think that the Suns are going to swarm. But here's the thing, Noah. The playoffs, to me, what the epitome of playoff basketball is was shown. Hawks, Sixers, game one. So here's a little flashback to those that may not have watched it. The Hawks were up about 28 from, from in the third, even in the fourth. Remember the Sixers came all the way back and the Hawks could not inbound the ball and the Sixers kept putting pressure and stealing it. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They turned it all the way up. That is the only game this entire playoff where I've seen a team unravel like that. And yet they still won. And that was the game that won them the series that went seven. So that being said, the Suns are going to be playing like that version of the desperate Sixers, which teams, again, even the Bucks net series didn't feature that, but it's not going to be enough because at the end of the day, Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder cannot create their own shot. DeAndre Ayton 
still needs to receive a pass to go to work. And Chris Paul seems to be the only viable option to get him the ball. The way he was covered, yes, he had his 11 assists. That's not going to happen all night. We're going to see more P.J. Tucker. We're going to see less of these foul calls that we've been getting on him that are not fouls at all. That's the only thing I disagree with. The two first quarter fouls on Drew, neither one of those were fouls, and a couple calls on P.J. Besides that, I thought the refs did a fine job in that game. But the Bucs are going to win because that intensity is going to come too late, and it's not enough. Chris Paul, has Chris Paul ever come back from a 3-2 series deficit before? I don't think so. I don't think he has. Maybe against the Spurs in uh, the first round, 2015, we had the one-legged shot. This is the finals. In Milwaukee, they hate the Suns, and they should. These fans should hate the other team with how the series has gone. And I just think the Bucs are going to do it. Bucks and six has been the prophecy. And I think finally Brandon Jennings can smile. Don't know it. Let's hear it. Wow. That was, that was good. And you almost had me there for a second where I was thinking, <laughs> should I, ch- should I change my prediction, which tells you that I came into this taking the suns. Yes. But after hearing you, Zach, and you put up some really great points, I have to say, that I'm still taking the Suns. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? I, I hope that when you become a salesman and you knock on my door and trying to sell me the product, you use that same tactic. Somebody like, Ugh! and I'll be like, nope, next house. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. Listen, and I wanted to say this earlier, but I have a chance to say this now. The way Phoenix played last game, I think nine times out of 10, they're going to win. Devin Booker played 42 minutes and was a plus 12, 40 points, plus 12, and played 42 minutes. DeAndre Aiden played 45 minutes. We And you guys know I've spoken about Aiden so many times being the ultimate X factor, not just for the Suns, but in this series. DeAndre Aiden played 45 minutes and was a plus six. Mikhail Bridges, another player who I love, 33 minutes, plus five. Basically... What happened with with Phoenix outside of Milwaukee going absolutely mayhem from pretty much everywhere on the floor in the middle quarters was they didn't really get that much from their bench. And they only played eight guys and only had three guys off the bench, Torrey Craig, Cam Johnson, campaign. I'm not saying that I expect Phoenix's depth to give them more. I just expect Phoenix to play their best players no matter what. And I'm talking about another 40-plus minutes from Devin Booker. And what you said, that Devin Booker may play the full game, I agree with. And I think, if anything, that's more so supports my point of Phoenix winning. Because very similar of how Milwaukee has been able, outside of Game 5, have been able to dominate when Giannis is on the floor, it's been the same with Phoenix and Devin Booker. When Devin Booker is not on the floor, this Phoenix team struggles to score. They struggle to create a shot. You question whether or not Chris Paul is 100% or not, but I don't really think that's the case. I just think that Milwaukee's playing some great defense and making life tough on him. But the story is is that the Phoenix struggle when Devin Booker is off the floor. They can't really produce a good-looking shot, or they can't just give it to a guy and say, go get us a bucket. And at the same time, I I just – it's it's really tough because – what you said is that Devin Booker really truly is their only guy who is like giving them anything in terms of offense and that Milwaukee can just sort of game plan around that. 
So I understand. And if that, that's what really was pulling me towards taking Milwaukee for a second. But I think if Devin Booker is on the floor, I don't care who the heck is on Phoenix or on Milwaukee. It's just really tough to, to, to stop him. And I want him to just totally take control of this game. I don't want to see much of Cameron Payne. I don't want to see too much of even Torrey Craig, for example. I want to see Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiden, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder. They're starting five. I want that team on the on the floor for 40 minutes. I'm not 100% sure if this lineup is outscoring Milwaukee overall right now. I'm not sure if that's the case. But I just think that is going to give them their best chance to win. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, the way they played in game five, if it wasn't for Milwaukee shooting 32 or 45 in the, in the middle quarters, they probably win that game, right? The one thing I'll say that I think Phoenix needs to make more of an adjustment to, rebounding. Rebounding has been huge. Milwaukee, although Phoenix scored more second chance points this game, Milwaukee has been able to get timely second chance points. They've been able to get big time rebounds. Giannis has absolutely dominated this series in his rebounding. He had another game where he had five offensive rebounds. He had nine total rebounds. He actually had more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds last game. Mm, he's that. been he's been an animal on the glass. The finish. And not only not only has he been dominating on the glass, it's been very timely. So I think Phoenix. They got to dominate on the glass, and that starts with a guy like DeAndre Aiden. I know Bridges can rebound. I know Crowder can rebound. They have guys who can get rebounds. So I guess, you know, maybe Torrey Craig does play a pretty big role uh, next game. But all I want to see is you keep your best players on the floor and you have them play. I don't know if you could play the entire game, but pretty much close to it. Chris Paul and Devin Booker should be out there for the – Basically, the entire time. And I know Devin Booker has ran into some foul troubles at times, and that's really been limiting his minutes. But to me, you're, you, you lose and you're, you're going home, right? You want to yeah. force Game 7, and we all know forcing Game 7 going back to Phoenix, you, you love your chances. This is a game where Phoenix has to absolutely just go all out, and I am so bought in on them doing that. I don't know what's going to happen. I'll tell you this. Drew Holiday is not the shooter that he has shown us in this playoffs. Overall, overall, Drew Holiday has not shot the ball well. He has not looked that great offensively in terms of looking for a shot. That is not the Drew Holiday we know. Drew Holiday is a very solid offensive player. It can get you some really good buckets. But I think right now, the way Phoenix plays him, I think what's in his head right now, I know he just had a phenomenal game. But I don't know if I can trust Drew Holiday to give exactly what he did or anywhere close need to. to that. And it, it's true. He, you, you are right. He does not need to. But early on in the series, we saw Chris Middleton struggle. I know he's into a rhythm right now. But I think a guy like Bridges has done an unbelievable job on him for most of this series. You got to stick Bridges on Middleton for this entire game. And you know how much I love how, how well Aiden's been playing against Giannis. Recently... Phoenix has been playing a little more hope on Giannis because you saw the game where Aiden wasn't on the floor, where Giannis was killing him in the post. Yep. And then even like a game like game two where Giannis scored over 40 and he was just attacking the rim. Overall, I think Aiden does a great job against Giannis. And I want to give him all the opportunities to go out there and stop him. And I know that may be a risk that, well, if you put him one-on-one -on, -one on Giannis for the entire game, Giannis is eventually going to get him into foul trouble. That may be the case, 
But at this point, it's what has been doing well for you, right? I don't know exactly what Phoenix, and this is partly why I'm not an NBA head coach or any coach in that matter, but this is, I, I, I think what you have gotten this series, which is Aiden playing great one-on-one defense with Giannis, I think you keep that. I think the pick and roll has been the pick and roll defense for Milwaukee has been cleaned up very well, but I believe you want to try for Chris Paul and Devin Booker to go back into those and try to get the switch. If you can, if you can't make a play, make a pass, move the ball. I, and at the same time, I think in, in, in that little, I know Phoenix shot the ball well overall in the game, but in that little stretch, in that 21 to 5 stretch where Phoenix just couldn't buy a basket, a, a bucket on open shots, clean that up. And I think when you have a guy like Devin Booker out there at all times and you have Chris Paul going with Devin Booker, yeah, you got to get Drew Holiday to pick one of one of them to defend. You let the other one go crazy. And I'm not – don't want to take away anything from Connaughton or P.J. Tucker or Chris Middleton, the guys who match up with the other guards. But this is this is winner go home. And yep. I at the end of the day, I still believe Chris Paul and Devin Booker, the best backcourt in this series. All right. They want to take over, too. do your thing. I a lot of what I'm saying is just I want you just to go crazy, go wild. It's nothing anything score specific. seventy. Exactly. It's nothing anything specific. I just think the way Phoenix played last game. They win that game mostly every single time. Like Devin Booker played 42 minutes. It was a plus 12, and they why, lost. Why did eight now play Booker? That that should not happen. Eight should not have more right? than Booker, no matter what the number is. That should not to happen. Be fair, to be fair, um, Devin Booker had five fouls. I don't know, but still, Devin you Booker could have played one. a lot more. got the fifth one. He got them more. very late. This was a different exactly. kind of five. Same exactly. with Chris Paul. So no, no. no excuses that, on that, that. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. They were late. So, ultimately, I think just I, – I, I don't think they played a bad game. I think they just caught – got caught on some historic shooting from Milwaukee. I know Milwaukee's at home. I know they shoot a lot better. They play nine a lot one. better at home. But no, nine and two. you Uh-oh. can't expect. You can't expect them to shoot like that again. Whereas yes, I can. Phoenix, I expect Devin Booker to keep going crazy because I just don't think he's he, anyone on, on Milwaukee can guard him. I mean, Drew Holly is a phenomenal Wait, defender. Science cut you off right here. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. The Suns are 0-2, and Devin Booker, quote-unquote, goes crazy in this series. So there's your key, that, another that's key fair. stat. That's and, fair. I'll say this. Okay, okay, go go first. Go first. I just want to say also, uh, Buck's best strategy, take Chris Paul out right before the first media, the second media timeout, sit him the rest of the first quarter, play him the whole second, take Aiton out after the second media timeout, sit him the rest of the quarter, move Crowder to center, take out Crowder, start the second, play Aiton basically the rest of the game. Crowder will come in after like three minutes, and then uh, you'll probably put in Johnson there. And you're, if you're going to play Tory Craig, it's going to be for a three-minute stretch until a timeout is called. He should not play for outside of a timeout. So I'm That's fair, and, and I'll agree with that. I just think right now you have to just play what's going for you. And right now Devin Booker is going crazy, whether he's being very tightly contested or not. I want to give him as many shots as possible. I want to let Chris Paul do his thing. And I need more from the outside shooters from Phoenix. The shooters that have done so well this year, Bridges, Crowder, Johnson. I need, I need them to knock down. Uh, they didn't, like, shoot that poorly, right? Mikhail Bridges was 3-3 three three last game. Jay Crowder was 2-4. of four. 
Cam Johnson was two at two, right? Like yeah. they, they, it's not like they shot poorly last game, but they need to step up in a big way. And I can't tell you exactly how, and maybe I'm just kind of losing my mind because Milwaukee again, shot 32 or 45 in, in, in the middle quarters, but Phoenix needs to play. Like, I don't know, because I, the first two games of the series, I was very convinced Phoenix had the opportunity to win this in four. And now these last three games that I've watched from Milwaukee and specifically what I've seen from Middleton and then game five from Drew Holiday and what how he's been defending and then Connaughton, freaking Pat Connaughton, how good he's been, right? It's, it's, it's scary. And Phoenix's backs are against the walls and they don't really have that much going for them. But just let Devin Booker and Chris Paul take over. That's, that's all I want them to do. And I know you want to give them some rest and blah, blah, blah. And I know I keep rambling on. I'm going to cut myself off right now. Okay. Because I'm not really saying much, but let your best players be the leaders. Let your best players go out and absolutely take over. I feel like it's not like they're not, but I want to see the Chris Paul and Devin Booker that I saw from game one and two. Possession by possession, taking over, doing what they do best, getting, finding the right match matchups, and just attacking, 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 and playing with confidence. That's Phoenix's best opportunity. I, you just gotta hope that Milwaukee doesn't go crazy, or else you're just not gonna win. But if assuming you can keep Milwaukee afloat in terms of how they how well they shoot, I think Phoenix should have a good opportunity of keeping this game close and trying to steal one in Milwaukee. As like you said. A very, very, very tough place to win in the sense that I think the only loss was a 48-point game from Trey Young. Is that correct? 40, yes, yes. Uh, game one against uh, against Milwaukee Conference Finals. All right, let's get a 48-point from 48, 48 point game from Devin Booker. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on. Right. Hot take. The Suns are only winning if Booker drops at least 54. There's my hot take. Anyway. 35,000 people are expected outside the arena, according to Bucks president Peter Fagan. They are changing the Deer District. They're expanding capacity, 35,000 outside the arena, which means outside the arena and inside combined, I'm about 55,000 people on site. And then you're not including bars within a mile radius. So the, if the Bucks should win and I am in Milwaukee, I am not driving I am walking. I am taking an Uber. I am taking the train. My car, if I'm there and outside, is probably getting flipped by someone else. Uh, should they lose? Should they lose? It's going to be the most depressing 55,000 people in one area ever for a non-baseball or football or hockey, even not baseball and football activity. It's going to be a fun game. And again, nine and one at home. It's not... It's not an illusion. You know, it's not something that's right in front of our noses and we just can't smell it. Not, it matters. Home court matters. Okay. The Suns lost a home game to the Clippers at 3 2. They lost a home game to the Lakers. They've lost a home game to the Bucks. Okay. This Bucks team, when they're in front of their home fans, are very good. Chris Middleton at home is probably the most dangerous scorer in these playoffs of any player in any given building. That being said, it's not, if this was the old format of two, three, two, we'd be singing a very different tune right now at three, two, mm -hmm. but it's not. And that's just how it is. At the end of the day, my closing thought, there's going to be another big Giannis player too. Middleton's going to do his thing. And I really think 
This, of all things, will be the one game for all the smack he gets. I'm tempted to start swearing, but I don't want to change the tab to explicit. So I'm not going to. For all the crap that Mike Budenholzer gets, for all the smack that is talked about him as a coach by everybody except the team within the organization. Okay, this is the game. No matter what the rest of his career brings, if this is the last game he ever coaches, hypothetically, and they win, he's forever a champion. They got past the mighty Suns. They were down 0-2. Okay, they did something that hasn't been done in 15 years to go from down 0-2 to tying it 2-2 in the finals with being the lower seed. 15 freaking years. This will be the Mike Budenholzer game, no matter who wins it, how it goes, how he decides to run the, the minutes of Teague or whoever comes in, how many minutes he chooses to play Lopez, if he chooses to up P.J. Tucker's minutes, how he defends, how he calls plays. This will be decided not by Monty or Chris or Devin or Giannis or other Chris with a K, also a.k.a. James Middleton or anybody. My final thought is that, Noah, let's hear your final thought. This will be known as the Mike Budenholzer game, no matter what happens. If they lose, I'm blaming putting on him. But if they win, his, he is forever cemented as an all-time successfully very good coach that got too much back talk while he was winning. My final takeaway from for this game is going to be, and I'll, I'll try to throw in one of those bold predictions. And may I add, I almost got it right last time. I said Chris Paul was going to have double-digit assists and zero turnovers. He had one turnover, so I was really upset about that. But anyways, final takeaway. I know I spoke a lot about letting your best players lead and dominate, and that's Devin Booker and Chris Paul, and I do believe they will, and I believe they'll potentially – okay, fine. Here's my bold prediction. They both go off of 30. 30 each. Okay, that's going to be how Phoenix wins is 30 each. But one more thing, and I know we have already seen him go crazy from three-point range in this series, but every series there happens to always be this one game from Jay Crowder where he just goes absolutely bananas, absolutely bananas. I think maybe it's not a six for seven from deep Jay Crowder game, but it's going to be one of those games where if it's a close game in the fourth or late, I don't, I don't care where it is. If it's close game anywhere at any point in the game, a bunch of Jay Crowder's threes where he's going to start getting going. He's going to start being the typical flopper and getting in people's faces, all that kind of junk, getting them rattled under their skin. He is going to be making noise in this series and in this game one way or another. And I think it probably will be the noise where he hits a, a bunch of threes, gives them a big lead, and then becomes the absolute pest that he is known to be in, on defense. But ending it off, I still want to reiterate this game is going to be dominated by the backcourt of Phoenix Suns, where I think they will combine for at least 60 points. At least, I don't know if they combine for that's 61 points last game. That's not enough. They combine for 60 exactly. They're losing by 20. It's, it's, that's fair. They combine for 60. They gotta go crazy. Okay, not 80. They gotta score 80 to win. There's my there's my other Ah, uh, 80's, 80. 80's no. absurd. You heard. Hey, I'm watching Naruto right now, so I'll say, believe it. They need 80. <laughs> they need 80. Oh, I, man. I, See, listen, 80 if Milwaukee's going to shoot like they did in game six. They I, need I, game 80. Five, 
I'm telling you, uh, nine and one. They're not losing in there unless these okay, guys. Fine. Literally, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say seventy. I'm gonna say seventy. I think they. I think they can go for seventy. I think okay. if they can buy for seventy, they possible. have the win. For it's sure. not as crazy as you think. Because what didn't uh, Landry Barbosa and Booker once combine for eighty-one? Oh my god. <laughs> oh guys <laughs> i was there but on that note noah again i mean i keep saying it's a pleasure because it is even though we completely disagree on everything that's been said and i disagree with a lot of what you said it's still a pleasure to talk about it and to have our viewers be able to hear both sides it's basically a bucks sons preview not just a bucks and sons it's just one side is bucks and one is sons. but yeah it's been a pleasure again man Likewise, Zach. Always likewise. It's it's fun to debate, and I think it adds a nice little flavor, I guess you can say, to the podcast where you have two guys who consistently always disagree with each other outside of Game 3. I think we're both pretty much on the same page there. But it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you and to keep and to stay in touch and obviously to, to debate the sport that we absolutely live and die for. Yes. And speaking of, uh, of flavor, I had cannoli cream ice cream for the first time the other day. I didn't know it existed. Shout out to Curly's in Riverdale, New Jersey. And I mentioned this because as this will be my usual closing line is something loud and on a high note, cannoli cream ice cream is fantastic, but weird. Okay, it's not something that most people would order or even put on a menu. Most people are picking the Suns, okay, for obvious reasons. My Mike Budenholzer rant slash point is as wacky as cannoli cream ice cream. It sounds terrible on paper. It sounds idiotic. Who the heck let this get said? Who let this get mass produced? But it's good, and it will be correct. Just as the ice cream was a 10 out of 10, Mike Budenholzer will coach the best darn game of his life. Bucks and six. It's been Bucks and six since Brandon Jennings was born in 1987, eight years before myself. The Bucks are going to win. This is going to turn back into a Cavs podcast. And Andrew Bynum is way too young to not be hooping somewhere. You lazy big man, you. On that note, no Nightingale. Zach Weiss across the Cavs. It's 10.37. We're 44 minutes in. Shout out to our old homie, Alan Henderson, as we wrap up on the most random note ever.